You're listening to Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast, Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit. Website is leaningtowardwisdom.com. Coming to you from the Yellow Studio 3.1. Let's ask and answer the question what will people remember when you're gone? In coaching leaders and executives, and we start talking about teams and employees and behavior and performance, I've long argued the barometer for me is pretty simple. If somebody is gone from the workplace, are we going to hold a funeral? Are we going to break out the hot dogs and the s'mores and have a party? It's amazing how fast people can answer that question because, well, we just all know. Yeah, buddy, the sound is back. I think, isn't it? Sounds different than the last couple of episodes, I think. I'm pretty sure. I'm glad you, you clicked play. Uh, it's 3.1. It's 3.1 because I've, I've moved. Well, I haven't, I haven't moved geographically, but I have moved within the confines of where I was geographically. Uh, the plainest way to say that is I'm in a different room. I'm no longer in the same room that I was before. It's, it's kind of nice. It's, it's, in fact, it's more than nice. Um, fact of the matter is, and I'm not sure, I'm not sure how many episodes I recorded with the other microphone, but I've, I've gone back to my staple condenser microphone, but I, I needed to be in a better place that didn't sound echoey and all that. So hence 3.1. What will people remember when you're gone? I know we don't like to think about these kinds of things. We don't like to think about death. Uh, people who are part of an organization or a team, we don't like to think about not being part. If we like it, we don't think about or don't like to think about not being part of it. But things come to an end, lives and careers. And what will people remember when you are gone? These are not just old man kinds of wonderings these are frankly these are wonderings that we're all subject to no matter our age here in the dallas fort worth area up in allen texas which is a northern suburb northern ish suburb of dallas uh, there was yet another shooting memory serves right i don't i don't pay close attention to the news that's horrible especially for somebody that so many years ago was really into journalism, but you know, we've, we've lost journalism. Journalism died a long time ago. Eight, eight people dead. Some are severely injured. And as with most of those events happens within, within seconds, uh, one of the saddest stories was uh, a young boy age six, whose 
from what I read, the little bit that I did read, I mean, the, the family was pretty much gone. You know, you wonder what about this poor child, what kind of life is he going to grow up? And if you're six, what are you going to remember? What are you going to remember about your family who's now not here? It is the advantage of living to be an old man or an old woman. You certainly are able, well, if your capacity holds, you've got more memories. You certainly got more memories than a six-year-old. Yeah, but I've, I've thought about this young man all day, this child, and wondered, you know, what, what's that life going to be like now? Talk about an upheaval. I refer to it very frequently because it is, it, it was such a, uh, it was really such a profound lyric and such a profound song by Matt Carney. You know, we're all just one phone call from our knees. It's such a great line and it is incredibly true. You know, we're one phone call. We're just one little bit of information. We're just one, one event away from having our world rocked. And I especially, um, I, I especially think about the time that we waste. I just think about the time we waste. I was Googling today that was on my mind. And of course the thing that came up was that, is it Freddie Fender? What happened? Whatever happened to Freddie Fender? Wasted days and wasted nights. I think the song is about having lost someone, not to death, but to somebody else. You know, somebody, somebody stopped loving him and they ran into the arms of another. You know, it's that typical country kind of a country song kind of a vibe. Wasted days and wasted nights. We don't have to lose somebody to death. We don't have to lose them to someone else. So many people are losing people to their phone. I think I put it over on randycantrell.com. Let's let's look over there very quickly and let's see. Have you not been over there? Oh, you should go. <laughs> I don't know if you should or not, but I'm pretty certain that I I posted there was a somebody had put a little me, a meme. Well, I don't know if it's a meme. What is a meme? Do we know what a meme is? We know what a meme is, but I, I, I don't know that I can give you the proper definition of it. Uh, there's a young lady. She's looking intently into her phone, and it simply says she died wishing she could have spent just one more day with her phone. <laughs> I am among many, 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 many other people. It just annoys me to no end. Phones and earbuds. I love them. Don't get me wrong. I own both. And I will use both, but I'm not in a habit of using them both when I'm present with other people, especially if it's people that I care about. I, I it's just not how I roll. And yes, I do judge those who do. <laughs> I'm freely admit it, uh, you know, for a person that works really hard to not kind of be judgy. Yeah, I do. I absolutely do. There's no question I do. It, it annoys me more than any, it, it annoys me more than anything that has to do with the internet or social media because people are staring at their phones and completely disengaged and not paying attention and not present. And I, I look at these situations, people in my life and people that I don't even know that I just observe out in, in the ether 
who are sitting in the company of family, presumably family or friends. And I wonder, I wonder, I mean, are they going to die wishing they, Oh, I just wish I had one more day with my phone. Oh, I just wish I had one more day with my earbuds. Maybe, maybe you never know. What is your phone habit? My phone habit is by seven o'clock, usually closer to six o'clock. My phone is turned off. My phone never enters the bedroom. The only time my phone has ever entered the bedroom is if I had, I I needed a really, really early wake up call and I'm going to set the alarm. And so it, it will be by the bedside. It will be obviously turned on, but that happens. That happens no more than a handful of times over the course of a year. I don't walk around the house. My phone is not on my person at all times. In fact, most of the time it is not on my person. Most of the time it is not even where I am. I'm not saying that that's right, but it's just not. So here in the yellow studio 3.1, the probability is my phone is going to be sitting right here in this space. That doesn't mean I'm here in this space. I can be somewhere else and the phone will be here. Now, no, I don't leave the house without it. I don't leave the car without it. And I'll tell you why. So I go to the PO box today. And every time I pull in the post office, I look at my phone on this contraption in my car, this mount, this magnetic mount that I have that I love, by the way, super easy to use and super cheap. And it affixes to the air vents and it's terribly secure. It's, it's wonderful, but I always pull in and I look at it and I think I'm just going to dash in here. I wonder if I should take the phone and you know why I do. I'm like, well, you know, if I lock myself out of the car, if something were to happen, I don't know anything could happen. Am I going to want the phone? Yeah, I'm liable to want the phone. So it goes into the, it comes off of the mount, goes into my pocket. I go in within 60 seconds. I'm back in the car, but I, I, I have this, I go through that mental exercise every single time I go to the PO box. I'm like, okay, should I take the phone? And I always make the same decision. Yeah. I'm going to take the phone because you never know. Right. I mean, just in case, just in case I didn't come up with it. Somebody did. Cause I remember reading it or seeing it or watching it or something husbands and wives touch their phones more than they do each other (laughs) it's not funny in spite of the fact that i just snickered about it it's just so completely true so completely true and we talk on our phones more than we likely speak to each other we pay a lot more attention to our phones than we do to humans and i daily that's right daily i daily have the conversation in my head wondering are they going to regret any of this? Are those of us that behave that are we, are we going to regret that this conversation that maybe somebody tried to have with us, we decided, nah, I got this thing in my ears. I'm really intent on listening to now nah, I've got this podcast. I got this music. I got this audio book and that matters to me. Well, frankly, that matters to me more than you do screen time measurement. You get those notifications. If you're on an Apple iPhone, I know you do. That's what I have. My screen time on my phone is never all that high, but to be fair, that's not counting the screen time of a computer, which has an extraordinary amount of time. 
here's the difference is the computer, in spite of the fact that I have a laptop and it stays mostly docked now here inside the L studio 3.1, it's not always with me and our phones tend to always be with us. And so the phones are way more intrusive than a computer. It wouldn't necessarily have to be that way, but for me, that's just geographically the way that we live. That's just the way it works out. I'm never in front of a computer and there's, you know, there's all this stuff happening around me and all these people. And I'm just, I'm just so into the computer. I I can't pay attention. I I, I just don't, it's just not set up that way where a phone is absolutely set up that way. I do wonder as we get older, this internet age of ours, as we age and as we get older and as we pass on, if people are going to reflect are, are people currently reflecting? I don't know the answer to this. Do people reflect, man, all that time that I spent on my phone, all that time that I spent texting, all that time that I spent. I mean, I know people that it, it epitomizes their identity. Do you know people like this? Do you have people in your life that if you, if you don't see them on the phone, you think, well, man, we need to capture this moment. We need to take video or take a photograph of this moment. Look, they aren't on their phone. (laughs) Yes. I think we all know people like that. I absolutely know people like that tethered to the phone. I mean, we might as well have them on a leash. (laughs) They can't, they just can't escape it. And there's no question that that did prompt a little bit of what will people remember when you're gone or people remember, Oh, you know, it's so, we're so sorry that for your loss and we're so sorry that they passed on. Uh, I noticed that I noticed their phone is not with them in the casket. I noticed their hands are folded and there's the phone. You really should put the phone in their hands, you know, because that's pretty much what they spent most of their time with. Has anybody been buried with their hands folded laying on their chest and their phone is in their hand and their earbuds are in their ears? Surely somebody's done that. Haven't they? Somebody's bound to have employed that bit already. They should. I can think of a bunch of people that I think that's, that should be the pose. They absolutely should be buried with the phone in their hand and on by the way, and the earbuds in their ear and maybe their thumbs, both thumbs on the keyboard or on the, you know, the keyboard of the phone. It'd be a great bit. If you know somebody and that, that they've done that already, I definitely would like to hear about it. <laughs> it would be completely appropriate. I don't think I want to be remembered for that. And thankfully I I'm not going to be remembered for that. Uh, I may be remembered for, you know, I don't know, might put headphones on me and a microphone in front of my, face the good news is uh, nobody's going to see me after i die i mean as far as a funeral and that kind of stuff no i ain't that ain't happening i don't want people to look at me right now why would i want anybody to look at me when i'm dead that's ludicrous what will people remember when you're gone and as i have said to coaching clients will people mourn or will people throw a party are people going to be sad or are people going to be happy they're going to feel one or the other. Okay. There's a third option indifferent. Don't care. Well, that's a real statement of the value of a life, isn't it? Yeah. Heard so-and-so died. Yeah. You know what? I just don't care. 
I'm not talking about people that we don't know or people that we knew, but we just knew of them. We really didn't know them, but I'm talking about people that, that know us to some degree. And you're just like, eh, eh, you know, no big loss. Not going to miss much. I'm not saying that we should wish people to be dead now. That's not the point here. So don't, don't go down that bunny trail, but there absolutely are people that what I'm going to, what I, I'm not going to remember something that's different than what I think now, unless something changes. So let's just kind of start there. The people that are miserable human beings, the people that are unsafe people, the people that are just bad humans and have proven themselves. So I'm not going to remember anything different than what I think right now while they're alive. Death is not going to change my opinion. Oh, I know we see all the, somebody gets killed. Oh, they were, man, they were so great. They just lit up the room and they did this and they did that. And you could talk to somebody else who knew that person. They're like, man, they were, they were a liar. They were a thief. You couldn't believe anything they said. It's like death makes angels of us all. Ah, but it doesn't, it doesn't. So what will people remember when you're gone? Newsflash. It's going to be what people think before you're gone. It's what people are going to think of you while you're still here. Whether here means you're here in the workplace, you're here in the family, you're here in the friend fold, or you're here physically. That is you're alive. You have not yet died, but for some reason, Many of us have it in our head that people will remember us fondly. Well, if you're not thought of fondly right now, when you die or when you're gone, define that any way that you want, they're not going to remember you fondly. They're not thinking of you fondly. Now your absence is not going to make them think of you fondly. But then, as I said, I get kind of fixated on, I wonder what the regret is going to be of the people who are doing the remembering. I wonder about how many spouses have regret over the wasted days and wasted nights spent doing things that in the moment, yeah, okay, you wanted to do it, but let me go you one better for me in my life. I think of, okay, what am I doing? How can I alter my behavior? So that might not be the ideal choice that they make. So if I'm, if I'm in the presence of somebody and they can't get off their phone, their earbuds are in their ears. I'm, I'm, I'm internalizing it always. This is a character flaw that I have. I'm internalizing it, not because of self-importance, but in wondering, am I contributing to this? Is my behavior such that this is the preference? The preference is. I'd rather be doing anything than spending time with you. <laughs> and sometimes I'm sure the answer is absolutely yes. I, I would rather be anywhere but here. As opposed to, uh, well, the Pink Floyd hit, you know, wish you were here. So what will we remember about people that are gone and what regret might we have because of that event? Because maybe we do feel like we wasted days and we wasted nights. Or are we going to be, hey, you know, I didn't waste anything. I didn't like being around them anyway. 
So I spent as much time as I could on the phone and with my earbuds in my ear. I had a grand time. Glad they're gone. Now more time for the phone, more time for all the audio books and the podcast and the music and whatever else we've got in our earbuds. Could be. Many, many people have said, and it's probably true that the internet and particularly these devices in our hand, these phones, they enable us to do more of what we really want to do. But if that's true, that's kind of depressing to me. So what it means is that this, whatever is happening on this device, that's way more important than this human, that if I were to extend my arm, I could actually touch them. I could actually reach them. I mean, they're that close, but no, I don't want to. Don't want to, I, I mean, come on. I got all the affection I need right here from this phone and we all see it. We all observe it. Now it sounds like, okay, well he's anti phone. He's anti earbuds. Oh, not at all. Listen, I live my life with headphones on largely. And I listen to an inordinate amount of music, but I'm very rarely in the presence of other people when I do it. In fact, almost never. I'm just going to tell you exactly from my heart, the whole deal about that is I, it's just, it's perfectly, it makes me happy to do that when I'm by myself, but it's not really something I want to do when I'm in the presence of people that I care about. I know, oh, by the way, increasingly I'm not in the presence of people I don't care about because mm-hmm. I'm old and I can do that, right? I can pick my friends. I can pick my company. Yeah, not always. It's not an absolute thing, but it's increasingly, uh, working in my favor where I can make that call. What people will remember when we are gone is the behavior that we displayed when we were present. What is that behavior? What are those actions? And if you're in the presence of people and they are tethered to their device or they are distracted or they're not paying attention, I'm just telling you how I roll. I'm asking myself, what am I doing to contribute to this? I mean, there are people that are verbose. There are people that just hold forth. There are people that just absolutely refuse to listen. There are people who have no questions because they've got all the answers. And yeah, I get it. I mean, sometimes I'm around those kind of people. I don't want to be around those people. I suffer it until I can get away. Hopefully you don't have anybody in your family or anybody in your close circle. that's like that. And if you do, then I'm, I'm going to ask you why, (laughs) why just why I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be the person that other people don't want to be around because of X. I want to make sure I have X identified and I'm working on X. So a group of people are sitting around having a conversation. You've done this. We've all done this. And somebody's got some extraordinary kind of a thing to share. Something happened, right? Something other than the ordinary mundane thing that happens to us all. They've got something a bit extraordinary to talk about. And they talk about it. And you can just see it in the body language of somebody in the conversation circle that no sooner have they begun to tell the tale then somebody else is just, they can't wait. They just can't wait for a break in the conversation so that they can pipe up because, Ooh, 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 I've got something to share too. And they've always got something to share. Do you always have something to share? Yeah, me neither. That's why I podcast. So we remember these things. We know these things. We judge these things correctly. Our discernment is this person. They don't listen. They just can't wait to pipe up and tell their story. Meanwhile, 
think of all the stories that they could they could learn if they just shut up long enough to hear them. I'm in a circle of uh, six or eight people and somebody sharing something. I'm intently listening. And somebody else is kind of sort of trying to interrupt. And I'm sitting here th- hoping that the person that, frankly, that has the floor, as we say, I'm hoping that they'll fend them off. And for a time they do. And the next thing you know, the conversations have been hijacked and that person has just stopped dead in their tracks telling the tale. And this other person who just chomping at the bit, now they begin to say whatever they're going to say. I'm sitting here the whole time and I'm remembering the person who had the floor. I'm listening to this person, but I don't have any interest in it. And the minute that they quit, the minute they end their story, I look back at the person who had the floor to begin with. And I said, so finish, finish your story. Tell us what happened. And you could just see the body language of the other people like, yeah, 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 that's right. He, he didn't, he didn't finish, he didn't finish telling his story. And I'm sitting here looking at the person who hijacked the conversation. I'm thinking, you know, the poor slob. I mean, do you, do you, are you aware of how you look? Are you aware of what people are thinking? Are you aware you're here and this is what we're thinking. And if you were gone, we're going to throw a party and we're going to remember Yeah, he's the guy that always seemed to hijack the conversation and make it about himself. And if you want to be remembered for that, uh, then behave like this guy. And it's sure to happen. It's rather interesting to me that so many of us, we would like to be remembered for things that are different than the way we're behaving. And I don't know how we think that's going to happen. I understand that people can get it on a national crime kind of a story about some deceased person and they're you know, they're not going to throw the dead person under the bus, nor should they. But isn't it interesting just how angelic, how angelic every dead person seems to be. I mean, they were just the bastion of, they were the epitome of everything that you would want a human to be, or so it would seem. And you know, it's not true. And in fact, some of the circumstances of their death prove that it wasn't true. Uh-huh. It's like, well, wait a minute, wait a minute. Uh, you know, she, uh, she was drunk. She was driving. She died in an accident. Thankfully, didn't hit anybody else. It was a one-car accident, but, you know, wait, she was high and she was drunk when she was driving. Oh, she was a salt-of-the-earth gal, you know. She loved her children, loved her kids. Oh, no, this all happened at 3.30 in the morning. She wasn't with her kids. She was out partying, high as a kite. Oh, she was a good human. Oh, she was a good human. (laughs) If you want people to remember something that's different... Good luck with that. So for me, for me, the lesson is really, really clear, plain as both big ears on my head. I need to be behaving in a way. I need to, I need to be taking action every day in a way that will cause people to remember what I most want them to remember. I I don't know any magic beyond that. And I think for me, it is driven by, I don't want people to be crushed at my death, but yeah, you kind of want to be missed. Uh, Stanley died in 2012, my lifelong best friend. We'd been best friends since we were born until he died. I'd never lived a day on the planet without him, but I've since had to learn to live many days without him. Oh, he was not perfect by a long shot. And I'm not either. He had struggles and issues. I got struggles and issues, but I loved him. My sister gave me a photograph the other day 
hits a picture of us. We're, we're, we're dressed in the same garb. Our moms had to be behind that. We were 11 years old. It was in 1968. What I most remember was the fun. What I most remember were the quips. What I most remember was, you know, the, the witty exchanges that we had back and forth. What I remember most is the punchline of jokes. And what I remember is us completing one another's sentences. And I remember a lot of laughter and a lot of fun and a lot of sober moments of just sharing struggles, struggles and pain and sorrow and suffering and going with that through somebody. I don't have a physical brother. I have an older sister, but for me, he was a brother. He was like a brother and yeah, I miss him. I miss him. And I think about him. I won't lie and tell you that I think about him every day, but I'm not going to go more than a day or two without thinking about him. And it's mostly because there are things that spark it. There are things that bring it to light. And because I'm a person who's confessed to you, I laugh and I cry every single day, every single day. And when I say laugh, I mean, yeah, laugh out loud. And when I say cry, I mean, cry. And the laughter tends to make me remember him. You know, something will strike me and I'll immediately think, yeah, yeah. <laughs> He absolutely would have found that funny. What will people remember when you're gone? What regrets might you have about the people in your life when they're gone? Will you have any regrets? We're not all going to take advantage of all the time and all the moments we've got. It's not possible. We're just not. It's not the way life works. We're not going to engage with one another. I don't care if we're married. I don't care if it's family. I don't care if it's friends. We're not going to engage as though this is the last time we're going to see them. And if we knew that it was the last time, we wouldn't let them go. It's just impractical to live your life that way. But I don't think it's asking too much, and I don't think it's impractical to be more thoughtful and for us to work hard to be more attentive so that when people remember us when we're gone, they'll remember exactly what we wanted them to remember and what we hoped they would remember. And when they're gone... We're sad that they're gone, but we won't regret that we had way too many wasted days and wasted nights. Well, the next number of months are going to uh, bring a few changes. There's just always changes, man. I mean, version 3.0 lasted what? A month, three weeks. Now I'm on 3.1. I don't see version 3.2 happening. I could be wrong. But version 4.0 is coming. I'm not sure if it can come here quickly enough, but I'm going to have work to do. Because frankly, this this space, this, this sound will be hard to beat. It's going to be hard to beat. Because it's really quiet. It's really uh, 
Yeah, it's got it going on. I, I was telling a buddy of mine, you know, the, some of these voiceover artists, they will spend 20, they could spend 20, 30, $30,000 on a vocal booth, you know, a sound isolation booth. And they do that because, well, they're making their living. And I'm not saying that the, it's not justified. And I'm not saying that those products aren't worth the price, but it's kind of fascinating to me that it can be done. Well, it can be done very cheaply. I'll put it that way. Version 3.1 cost me nothing. Uh, what I had to do is I had to move. I had to move the desk. The good news is I've got everything wired. I've got everything tethered and I've got one cable. I got one power cable that goes into a regular outlet. So I shut the computer down, turned off the road. I'm still on the road one, by the way, for you podcasters out there. And I unplugged one cord from an outlet. And then I rolled everything to a new space, which is 3.1. I'm kind of glad I did. Leaning Toward Wisdom, the podcast, Modern Tales of an Ancient Pursuit, leaningtowardwisdom.com. There is a Facebook group. You can join it if you want to or not. My name is Randy Cantrell coming to you from Dallas, Fort Worth, Texas. Greetings and welcome inside the Yellow Studio. Welcome.